Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm your host, Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Galron. Gapala! And Commodore Corey. Hey, is saying I'm the host your thing that you're going to do for the second season? It's, yeah, it's just the, the slight change I've made. Seems like we're all the hosts, but you just do the intro. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you said that you weren't the host, you were the dictator, and therefore we had to listen to you no matter what we called ourselves. Well, yeah, that's true also, but a host does the introduction and make sure the monkeys don't start throwing too much poo. So that's mm-hmm. my job here on this episode. So good catch though, Corey. I was I was hoping you you idiots wouldn't wouldn't figure it out, but just too smart for me. Love this energy we're starting season two in. It's not the only change in energy. Yeah. So it's season two. We're starting our first, or not, well, not our first season, but we're starting on the second season of Star Trek. And Corey, nice beard. You've you've grown a beard. It looks really good. Thanks, man. I was going to say the same thing right back at you. Oh, That's pretty great. It's more of a goatee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just... Make me a little bit. Give me that edge, that evil edge a little bit. I'm proud of you that you've been able to expand from the soul patch that you've had for the past 10 years, Clint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whoa, Emily, what's that on your face? Clint, drink water at her. Oh, wait, it's just a beard. Hey, it's a nice beard, Emily. It's very lush. Uh, It's correct. I I decided to lean into my natural Greek heritage. and now when I'm thinking, I can just pet this luxurious pelt that's on my face. It reminds me of uh, Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec. Yeah, you know, um, he's actually reached out to me for some tips. So It's uh, very lush, you. but it has like a feminine empowerment to it. It looks great, Emily. Thanks. I like to think of it as mischievous mouse. Wait, we didn't get to customize my beard. You guys got to do it and I didn't. I want Saruman's beard. <laughs> it's a white wispy beard that reaches down to my knees. And it's slightly, a sin- little sinister. A more magical Fu Manchu, if you will. Do you do yeah. the hair flippy thing? Well, I stroke it as I consider the fate of Middle Earth. Yeah. Stroke the beard. I stroke the He'll- beard. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Brush it out with your tiny mustache comb all the way down to your knees. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we turned off our, our uh, video chats while we do this podcast. Of course, we're uh, referring to the uh, phenomena of growing the beard, which um, for you in TV land, that's the opposite of j- jumping the shark. Um, growing the beard is the point where the uh, the show starts getting good and people refer that to the second season of TNG where um, Jonathan Franks grew a beard uh, in between the br- the break and then they liked it so much that they made him keep it and then I think he has a beard for the rest of the show yeah he does we've got our beards we're ready to go season two here we come yep yes all right, guys, let's start off this this episode strong with everyone's favorite segment, a chat chat. Chat chat. Da, 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 da. Clint, don't you have a theme song that you do for this? Chat chat. Oh, boy, that triggered my ASMR. 
(laughs) Once again, we do not do this over Zoom. Did your beard just curl up with pleasure? (laughs) You know, season two, we got we got a lot of improvements. We got improved audio quality. I hope we have uh, we have improved editing skills. I was thinking we should probably put in some musical stings in here, too. And I'm saying this so that whoever edits this will put a musical sting in instead of what Clint just did to my spine. Also, will the musical cues be maracas, like in the maraca contagion? Maybe we'll just buy the rights to this the song in a muck time and uh, just play that constantly. Dun, 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 dun. That's all I can say before having to pay royalties. I didn't know that that loop of music came from this episode because it's definitely used in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading a note that said the the guy who composed it, he's like, I knew it was getting popular when I started getting royalty checks from The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. What's your chat chat news? Well, we're just going to talk a little bit about um, Kirk's uh, recent trip to space. Um, good old William Shatner. He uh, he took, I think it was a Blue Origin um, penis bus to uh, the edge of space recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I texted y'all about this in our group chat, uh, and he came back down to Earth and was about to say something about it and was rudely interrupted by the worst person on Earth, Jeff Bezos. Oh, I was going to say, you're here in front of us. Uh, anyway, continue, Emily. Uh, yeah, Jeff Bezos interrupted William Shatner, who's 90 years old, to then- <laughs> He's a treasure! To then spray champagne and go woo 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 with some girls. I don't know. Um, it's a really un- unpleasant video. Not only is it different than what you thought, it's been so good. You know what my my the impression I had that I never ex- expected. To have. Is you shooting up? Oh my God! Give me a champagne bottle. Come here. I want one. I want to hear this. Here. You want a little bit? William Shatner is a treasure. And then William Shatner later said something really like sweet that was basically like, oh, I I hope I never get over this. It was so beautiful. It was so wonderful. He said, I hope I never recover from this. I hope I never recover from this. Yeah. And Jeff Bezos was spraying champagne in recovered alcoholic Shatner's face. Oh, geez. Yeah, and one of William Shatner's wives like was drunk and drowned in a pool, and he found her. And so Jeez. Jeff Bezos is the worst man on earth. Man, we're really learning a lot about Shatner in these chat chats. I agree that it was disappointing, and I'm referring to the entire thing was disappointing. I had a real problem with that flight. <laughs> you were on it. <laughs> no, listen. Tell us more about it. Listen. Jeff did all of this as a 
is a stupid media thing to promote Blue Origin, which is kind of lagging behind with with the other big billionaire space companies. So this was all just some like media circus thing to get attention. And it was such a wasted opportunity, in my opinion. I think that it could have been easily coordinated that while William Shatner, 90-year-old Captain Kirk, while he's up in orbit around Earth, for something to happen to the ship, something to go wrong. I don't know what that would be, but maybe like he plans ahead that everyone on the crew like passes out. They're just acting. But then it's Kirk, it's William Shatner that has to like take control of the ship and bring it back down to Earth, right? Some sort of a hero moment. And that's what would be in the papers. Or maybe the ship gets like accidentally pointed away from Earth and it starts just heading out into space. And again, this is all pre-programmed ahead of time. Like they know what's going to happen. But Kirk could have saved the day and then brought us back down and ushered in the new space age. That would have been cool. I mean, you are right in that manufacturing a fake emergency uh, to gaslight a 90-year-old man into doing something to save everybody's life is exactly the sort of thing that uh, Jeff Bezos would do. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. I think we all missed out on a great opportunity for just a hilarious practical joke where... When Shatner leaves, when he's up there, we all put on Spock ears and we all just pretend everyone on the planet that it's a different planet. It's it's Vulcan. And we just all act like Vulcans for just like a week. Just to really just really mess with with William Shatner. Like no explanation. Just like, what are you talking about? This is totally normal. Or someone could have put a demon mannequin on one of the outside of one of the windows. Just for fun. <laughs> little gremlin there. <laughs> or or a little a little bobblehead devil thing. This this also makes me think he so this is the oldest person to ever go to space, ninety years old. Who knows when that's gonna get beat again? Because um lots of people in their nineties aren't capable of doing this. We all know the Shatner looks great for being ninety. He looks like he's in his sixties. He really does. It's incredible. He also was like super with it and able to like on the video, you really would not think he was 90. So I don't know if Elon is going to like put a 91 year old, find some 91 year old that's able to go into space and survive a launch and come back Mm -hmm. down. I think that they should go in the other direction and try and get the youngest person into space. (laughs) Like a newborn baby. No, yeah, like have, like pop out a kid in space. Okay, but if that happens, what is on that kid's birth certificate? I was born in orbit. Yeah, no on country can claim me. <laughs> I'm a rogue. No one, no one can claim me. I can vote everywhere. Oh, he'd be an alien. He'd he would he would be an alien. That is I mean, true. Technically, yes. Race, proto human. Um, yeah, but just to wrap it up too, like I thought Willem Shatner, he was just very sweet when he, and he said very nice, cute things and, uh, he's very pro environmental, which I, which I like, but he's very like, I've, I've heard him talk a lot too about like, oh, I've looked at this nice little blue marble and just this tiny patch, you know, where we live and we're polluting it and we need to stop it. So knock it off guys, get your act together. Yeah. Uh, all boomers suck except for William Shatner. Is he a boomer? I guess he is. Uh-huh. How is I he think not? he's the greatest generation. 
Yeah, I think he might be in the greatest generation. Oh, uh, they suck too. <laughs> Very millennial <laughs> attitude. With that being said, <laughs> let's jump into some art created by the greatest generation and judge it. What the hell was that? I told that... you guys you you can't sing our intro. <laughs> oh, it's our song. I thought you were trying to sing the theme to Star Trek and just missed every single chord. <laughs> no, it's our theme music. All right. That beard the sh- grown into your ears. I was on perfect melody there. <laughs> Emily has perfect pitch, don't you know? Let's get this show on the road. All right. So today's episode is a muck time. Whatever the hell that means. I know. I, I We'll get to that later. Um, so it first aired um, September 15th, 1967. It was written by um, Theodore uh, Sturgeon, and it was directed by uh, Joseph Pebney. Theodore Sturgeon, whose side hustle is making caviar. Oh, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> is that a brand of caviar we're no, mind where caviar melding. comes from haven't you ever played stardew valley no it comes from fish named sturgeon clint oh okay it's only the women like in all sexes wait eggs caviar only comes from like one species of fish no, yes not necessarily okay we're getting off track here. We gave you two yeah, answers there. Little, more than a little bit. Okay. So let's talk about this episode. I want to know, Corey hit that nail on the head. Amok, like, what does this mean? I always thought of like run amok, like that. And it's like amok time. So it's like, it's the time to run amok is what I think. I did a little bit of reading about this episode and no one ever tried to explain the name of it. So it's just kind of lost to time here. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. If we look up the word amok, it means in a violently raging, wild, or uncontrolled manner. So that works, I guess. I just never hear the word other like it's run amok and then that's it. I've never heard amok by itself, but I don't know. Yeah, but like run amok is like, we say that to mean like chaos, but it really means like murder. Murder. Festival! 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 (laughs) So it's an adverb. But it's used as an adjective in this case uh, to describe that's why it's a noun. So weird. Yeah. That's so weird. Okay, Corey, why don't you kick us off here? Okay, let me predicate all of this by saying that I thought we were going to talk about this episode well over a month ago, and so my knowledge of it is going to be pretty foggy. We will be able to Rosetta Stone my notes together, though. I hope. Maybe. Only only one way to find out. Apparently, the episode starts out with Spock acting all sorts of weird. And Kirk thinks he's just going through some sort of a phase, but he's kind of annoyed for his time being wasted. He's like, whatever, Spock will do that. He's just being a Vulcan teenager. They go through that at 50. He does really nail the, like, surly teen vibe. Don't give me purple soup! Yeah, at one point, Nurse Chapel brings him soup because she's a nurse and a nurturer. I guess. And she has a crush on him, which oh, yeah. uh, Bones very awkwardly points out. It's like, oh, you still got a boner for him? <laughs> Loser. Lakshana Troy's got it, got it bad for Spock. 
Oh. Um, but yeah, he just throws the soup and he demands um, to be returned to Vulcan for shore leave. And he gets mad at Nurse Chapel for bringing him soup. He's like, it's undignified for a woman to play servant to a man that's not hers. Yeah, it's super weird. He's just he's just raging out. So Kirk is like, Spock, why are you acting like this? And Spock's not explaining why. He's not telling anyone why why he wants to go back to Vulcan. He gets all agitated. Um, and then in one scene when Kirk is grilling him about this and they're in Kirk's office, I guess, the camera reveals that Spock's holding a knife. Yeah, he just weirdly keeps holding a knife and playing with it. Or like a pet, like later too, he's like holding a pen really like intensely, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And Kirk sees it. He's like hiding it behind his back, but Kirk sees it and he's like, okay, cool. We'll do what you want to do. Because Kirk knows that something's up. I have a note here that says Kirk's great hair. Does that mean anything to either of you? <laughs> we'll just keep going. No, but I wish it did. Kirk's I mean, other great than Kirk hair. Is a- He's a handsome devil. I don't, but you know, he's no more handsome than usual. Mm-hmm. Oh, I seem to remember it being really tuffled, if that's a word. Hmm. Looking really like tousled. Is that the word? Tousled. That's the word I was searching for. Is that a word? What? Yes. I mean, I know, like, to like, I don't, not tussle someone's hair. Anyway, I'm just going to say maybe Corey's going through his own uh, pond fire. That's why Kirk's looking extra, <laughs> extra tasty this episode. <laughs> Um, so we find out that there's a Russian on the ship. I didn't catch his name, but he looks like a little boy. And oh, uh, he did. I noticed it because in the J.J. Abrams reboot, he's on this Chekhov. Yeah, it's Chekhov. I'm sorry, Emily. I was being a smart ass. This is this is uh, Chekhov's first episode. Oh, I was like, I thought this guy was like a big deal. And then you're like, I don't know who this is. And I'm like, well, <laughs> he's in the reboot. <laughs> you fell for it, Emily, you dummy. So Damn it. Ch- Chekhov played by Walter Koenig, um, who does not have a Russian accent in real life. He is wearing a wig and he Racist. will continue this look. And apparently he's wearing that wig so he can have more of like a I'm in a hot boy band, like a 60s monkeys Beatles sort of look. Yeah, he was supposed to look like a, a, a monkeys member. Because they wanted to appeal to younger audiences. That's very Mm -hmm. upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. This is, they say too, this is also one of the few times that Chekhov and Sulu appear uh, in an episode together. Because Sulu. Oh, really? Yeah. George Takei was out filming, um, I think like the Green Berets or something, uh, like a film or a TV show. So he was busy doing that. And so they gave. They were planning to hire Chekhov anyway, and then they gave him more lines. So I thought they had delightful chemistry. Like they were just sort of joshing back and forth. It was really fun. That's a bummer that they are not in scenes together a lot. Yeah, it was cool to see them kind of like talk to each other and be like, oh my God, I'm going to get space sick. In my notes, I wrote Chekhov and Sulu have a cute moment, and I (laughs) did not say what that meant. So, (laughs) Well... Uh, maybe they kissed. Maybe they just had some banter. Who knows? So anyway, um, they're on their way to Vulcan, but Kirk is ordered by admirals to not go to Vulcan and do something else because there's a like mission. BS ceremony thing. Yeah. And I was, I actually don't even remember that happening. And every time they're like, oh, I guess we're going back again. I'm like, what the fuck? This is so obviously not the point of the episode. Why did they even include it? <laughs> 
Well, one reason was because Spock goes behind Kirk's back to cancel the Admiral's orders and go divert back to Vulcan because he really, really wants to go to Vulcan to do something and he hasn't told Kirk what it is. So Kirk is pissed that Spock went behind his back and ordered the ship to turn around um, and Kirk locks him up. Oh no, Spock asks Kirk to lock him up. Because I'm a bad boy. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) Earlier in the episode kirk's like why do you need to go to vulcan so bad and spock's like i just do so kirk is finally like why won't you talk to me i'm your friend and he's like don't make me do it and he's like okay fine i'm embarrassed yeah and so then he's like okay this is getting too out of hand you have to tell me uh but like they make a big deal about spock not wanting to tell people why he wants to go yeah well, also to like Spock makes a big deal about it. They make a big deal about it. Like they, I. This is another one of those like contrived drama points. Yeah, this is another one of like, oh man, if they just, I could understand Spock not wanting to talk about it and like him not being able to come up with a good lie because apparently Vulcans aren't supposed to lie. But yeah, this is another one weird, just weird kind of contrived. I don't know drama points and we're going to Vulcan. We're not going to Vulcan anymore. Just tell me why you don't want to go to Vulcan. I don't want to tell you. Fine. Well, we're going to Vulcan anyway. Yeah, I kind of liked the idea that he was too embarrassed to tell Bones. I thought that was kind of funny. But it would have been fine if he had told Kirk, like, partway through, like, oh, hey, I have, this is what's going on, you know? Or you think, like, the Vulcans would have some sort of code, you know, if they suddenly had to go home and not tell people about it, that Vulcans would have some sort of, like, peen emergency, peen code, you know, Ponfar code. Peen emergency? Yeah. Yeah, especially with the Vulcans helping humans reach the stars, they'd be like, okay, you can have our personnel serve on your ships, but just be aware, every eight years, this thing happens. But they're, they're like so embarrassed as a culture they won't do it. But they're just like, hey, sometimes like we'll just have to go home and you can't ask questions. And that's how it is. Right. It's or like, yeah, you'd think they'd just be like, it's Pond Far. And they're like, oh, shit, it's Pond Far. And then Kirk's like, wait, you know, I know that this means you have to go back to your home world. But don't you think we're friends enough that you can tell me what Pond Far means? And that's like, you know, the breakdown. So let's t- let's talk about what Pond Far is. Um so yeah it's he's he's full of cum let's just say that um (laughs) he so mccoy gives him a physical and he finds out that if spock doesn't return to vulcan within eight days he will die i love that too he's like what how do you know he's gonna die and not know what's wrong with him he's like i don't know i don't know he's just so full that's what this piece of paper says that printed out of the computer the he's gonna die meter it's just going out of control I do like that McCoy says that he is tight-lipped as an Alberdon shellmouth. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. I'll, clearly, everyone in this writer's room was men that they're like, if he doesn't fuck in eight days, he will literally die. He will blue ball to death. He's, he's got to fuck or kill someone. I don't care yeah. what, but he's yeah, got to no, do one that's, of those two things. That's literally what it is. Masturbation's not gonna cut it anymore, Jim. <laughs> wait, wait. There's a great part too where they're Kirk and and McCoy are arguing about this, and Kirk goes, "Are you doctor or aren't you?" And then I can just see Bones going, "I keep t- 
telling you I'm a doctor. I keep saying I'm not other stuff and I'm a doctor. How do you not know this? I loved it. There was a part where Spock actually finally breaks down and explains everything to Kirk. And Kirk just goes, well, I haven't heard a word you've said, but okay, we'll go there anyway. (laughs) I'm like, you haven't heard a word. He just explained the whole goddamn plot, Kirk. So Ponfar is the time of mating. It's an ancient Vulcan ritual, and they have this urge to return to their spawning ground, much like turtles. Um, they can't. They can't resist this urge, or they die. Salmon. Salmon. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's lots of euphemisms for boners in this. There is one part where, like, Spock is saying, like, explain what this is, and he's like, "I need rest." <laughs> There's a lot of them. I do want to just talk a little bit about um, McCoy. They gave him a new office or they expanded the med bay in this episode. Were you guys seeing the skulls on the shelf behind his desk? McCoy's desk? Yeah. He has all these. Next time they do a scene or pay attention, he has all these crazy skulls. He's got like a crazy big like Neanderthal skull. He's got like a weird human skull with like a beak. It had to be like a bird person thing. Like, these are my patients that just didn't make it, or they had interesting skulls, or both. (laughs) I ripped the flesh off myself. (laughs) He's dead, Jim. No, I'm still alive. Shut up. I want your skull. (laughs) Gonna drink whiskey out of it. Looks like it'll be a perfect decanter. (laughs) Okay, so there's just a lot of back and forth, like, Kirk tries to change course again, the Admiral calls him, like, it, it happens like four or five times. But Kirk's like, I'm not going to let him die. So he disobeys the Admiral's orders and he goes back to Vulcan. Okay, so the next scene is that Nurse Chapel sneaks into Spock's quarters to tell him that they're finally bound for Vulcan. And Spock starts flirting with her and asks her to make him some soup. Did you guys, too, notice Spock's quarters? How, like, crazy his quarters were? I didn't. I was was too busy writing notes, I think, to get all these little details. (laughs) And it was a month ago, so... And Spock has these crazy quarters. He's this like red satin walls and he has like these weird weapons. He's got daggers up there and he's this weird like satanic statue (laughs) that has like a bowl of light. It's it's kind of I don't know if like what is this thing? It kind of sounds like one of the set designers was in the Church of Satan or something with all (laughs) these skulls and these braziers in people's rooms. Yeah, the uh, the set designing department was just going off in this episode. I loved it. It was great. Okay, we finally get to Vulcan. And Spock turns to McCoy and Kirk. And he's like, hey, you guys are my best buds. You can come. I can invite you to the ceremony. You can come watch it. And they're like, okay, we'll come with you. Um, you can come to this or- this orgy. Just don't take off the masks. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> say what any of the things are that they're doing. He's just like, my closest friends are allowed to come. And I'm like, so this is a bachelor party. We finally meet Tapring, Spock's wife. She's up on the viewfinder. And then they have... Oh, wait, have wait, wait, the- wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, no, no. Earlier, before I think Majel Barrett goes into Spock's room, he's looking at a picture of her on his computer. But she's a child! He's looking at a picture of a child on a computer and thinking about his penis. It's well, very creepy. No, that's when they got married. Yeah, that's, but they got married when they were seven. So that's that's why he has a picture of her from then. Uh, 
still super creepy. I don't think he has a boner. He's just like, oh, this is the mar- this is when I saw her last. I don't think he's like, man. It's, it's not the goddamn old west. It's not like you have a photograph in your watch. It's the future. He could get a new picture at any it is, time. No, it is she, weird that he doesn't have an calls, updated photo. Yeah. She calls and is like talking to him right before he lands like, hey, we're going to pawn far, baby. And he's still looking at a picture of her when she's eight. It's deeply creepy. It is weird. It is weird. There is a fun factoid about that picture, though. Uh-oh. Apparently, it's not gross or anything, <laughs> but the uh, the little actress model, um, she was sick with the chicken pox when they took it. Um, so she's she I don't know. I, that's just it. She just said she was she thinks she was happy that she was had chicken pox because made her look more serious. Also, the ear that they gave her was made for an adult. So it's like super big on her. But maybe Vulcan kids just grow into their ears. I think that's, yeah, I was going to say, I noticed that her ears were really big and I thought it was kind of cute. Like, you know how sometimes kids' ears are too big and they have to grow into them. All right. Clint thinking kids infected with a pretty terrible little disease is a fun fact. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so how I roll. Blood so she comes up on the view screen and they're like, we're going to meet. But before we have to do this chant to each other, and I would like to read the chant to you guys. Remember, this is an arranged marriage. Parted from me and never parted, never and always, touching and touched. Now, I have been on the search for a tattoo because my body is a temple and has been, <laughs> has been uninked. And this comes about as close. I was thinking like around my wrist or above my lower back or something. I think but... in a circle around your belly button. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's nice. Or you could put it on your middle finger and your ring finger. So when you do the Vulcan salute, it will do like a nice It'll little like spread thing. apart. And see. Yeah. So they go down to Vulcan. And this is our first visit to Vulcan ever. And it's a hellish desert wasteland. Um, but I do want to point out that when we go down to Vulcan, there's actually a really cool shot. So it, it's like there's just usually just like a bunch of painted rocks everywhere. But then they have um, it's CGI. And I'm wondering if before it was a, a mat, but it's CGI of like this towering mesa with two stone bridges attached to it. And it looks cool. It looks like something out of a video game because it's it's from the 21st century. But it, it's a it's a really good shot. And it, it it stands out a little bit because they couldn't have done that back then. But yeah. I really I really liked it. No, it looked really cool. I remember that shot, too. I think it's literally them just walking like it was like five seconds of them walking. And I think they added this in. I don't know if they extended the runtime or not, but I did look at a this. They have little vignettes of all the CG they added into every episode mm-hmm. when they remastered it. And um, that was the thing they did. I mean, they're literally just walking in brown dirt, I think, in the other one. It was it's very underwhelming I, or it was just like a transition or something like that. So I, I would have to assume that either the people doing the remastering were very inspired by the mat or whatever was there originally was so shitty that they had to replace it with something like the three. Yeah. Like there was no matte painting or anything. It was just like them. It's just like them walking. It's like that first scene where they show up. They just kind of like walk off off screen. And that's the whole thing. Maybe we'll post a link to it or or something like that. But yeah, it's, (laughs) but they did a great job remastering it and adding this Mesa. It looks really cool. Corey, You're, you're definitely right. They did a great job of adding that in. Yeah. And I did a good job noticing that. 
Yes, you they did. have Good job, done. Um, the retouches are really well done where they're not over the top and they're just just right. So is like Spock, Spock's family has to be like loaded, right? Like Sarek is like one of the premier, I guess, spoiler alert, but he's like one of the premier diplomats on Vulcan. And like, this is a cherry primo spot for your marriage slash um, death games spot. Like this is only for his family. He said, did any of you guys catch that? Nope. Sure did not. Yeah, I did. But I do, I do not think that money exists on Vulcan. If it doesn't exist on earth, definitely doesn't exist on Vulcan. I think they just have like a good blood. Yeah, they got that clout. They got that. They're just one of them nice families, you know. Well, uh, Kirk definitely gets starstruck. He's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize Spock was that connected. His mom is a grand poobah. So she's a hot shit. Was that his mom? That was, that was like his, like his grandma or something. No, it was just what? some people that they're connected with i don't know if so we're talking about to paul yeah yeah hold on let me get to that let me get to that so okay okay i wait 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 i just want to ask though like so does every vulcan family have these little like marriage death arenas like tucked away all over vulcan well they're, it's on a mesa that's where they cross the bridge to get to this mesa so maybe each one has their own mesa like what? instead of having a timeshare in malibu you got your own mesa you got your fighting mesa <laughs> This is where we marry and kill people. It's sometimes in the same day. He said his ha- his family's had it for 2,000 years. So anyway, this is, this is crazy. Okay, move on. Okay, so they get to the Mesa, the three of them, and Spock bangs a gong. And oh, also, there was something that drove me crazy, and it happens for the rest of the episode. And it's just because I don't like repetitive sounds, but there's like this clattering sound. It's like a wind chime. And it's supposed to sound really exotic, but it just goes on because the rest of the episode takes place up here and it just goes on for the rest of the episode. And yeah, kind of kind of got me going a little bit after they bang the gong. A bunch of buff dorks in tinfoil tunics arrive and they're carrying a woman on an altar chair like Babylonians or something. Um, And they're wearing the same helmets as the Romulans. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because they didn't want to put ears on everybody because these Romulan helmets go over your ears. But we find out that the lady's name is Tapau. She's very important, but I don't remember why. I don't think they explain. Oh, I think that the Federation was like, hey, do you want to work with us? And she's like, fuck off. And Kirk was like, nobody tells the Federation to fuck off. She's pretty badass. She's (laughs) a badass. Yeah. Yeah. So she's just uh, she's just a big high level diplomat. I don't know, big mover and shaker. She's got a lot of clout, and she also speaks in old English. Yeah, I didn't like her affect, but they said she was the only person in Federation history to turn down a seat on the council. Yeah, there we go. See exactly what I said. Yeah, she told them to fuck off. She enjoys her post uh, leading these these sex coliseums too much. I think. Um, <laughs> her staff has nipples too did anyone notice that Who has did anyone nipples? look at her staff her staff has nipples yeah that staff she's holding the whole time she's she's walking around with like this weird black staff thing and it has God, nipples I, nope i did not notice that her staff had nipples and when you first said her staff has nipples i thought you were gonna say like 
the men attending her who also have nipples. I mean, I think, I don't know. I didn't notice that. I was still, <laughs> oh, we, we haven't talked, we talked about this last time too, but uh, Tapal is also an English rock music group that, and they named themselves after this character. Yes. And Tapal was, they wanted that to be the name of Jolene Blaylock's character in Enterprise, the uh, Star Trek series that was on in the early 2000s, but they didn't want to pay, is this right, Clint? They didn't want to yeah. pay royalties to the writer yeah. of the show, so they named her character Tapal instead. And made her like a different character. Yeah. 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 Rude. Yeah. Uh, okay, so she's leading the ritual, and I wrote in my notes, more clattering sounds, bells. And I highlighted that. So I apparently wasn't enjoying it very much. So basically it's like, Hey, you, you're going to get married. And then she's like, no, don't, don't bang that gong. We're not getting it on. I want you to fight. And Spock's like, Oh, the boners. I can't concentrate. <laughs> I have to then, hang out over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spock goes to bang the gong, but his wife is like, no, and then Spock goes into a trance and the, it's a boner the, wife's, trance. the ah. wife says that there will be a challenger and Spock must do battle against this challenger. And there's all these beef, hunky beefcakes, Vulcans standing around. And we're like, who's the challenger going to be? One of these hot boys? But no, for her challenger, she chooses Kirk. I thought Kirk. one of you was going to say Kirk. We're so I have to tell you that as soon as they did a cut where you look at like the face of one of the beefcakes, I guess the quote unquote twist. Yes. Wait, what? Sorry, I thought you were working on a sentence still. <laughs> what? No. There's a shot really early where they give you like the full on face of one of these beefcakes. And as oh, soon as they yeah. saw that shot, I guessed what the twist at the end would be. Oh, I okay. Like, I, guess. I know how this is going to end. <laughs> I just literally said the same sentence. I just I know, slowed it down a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for accommodating me. Um, Spock is freaking out because he's like, I'm not going to fight Kirk. Um, please, Tapau, don't let this go through. But the, the older woman refuses. Um, and Apparently, there's pretty good acting from Leonard Nimoy in this episode or during this scene because I wrote that down. Uh, Kirk, in true Kirk fashion, is like, Bones is like, maybe you shouldn't do this. And Kirk's like, well, I can't back down in front of her. She'll think I'm a pussy. <laughs> it's T'Pol. I can't, I can't whip out in front of T'Pol. I have to kill. I guess I'm just going to have to kill my best friend. Yep, 100%. That's basically exactly what happens the real reason kirk agrees to do this is because his plan is to just knock spock out and then refuse the bride and then hopefully that'll set things right combat begins um let's talk about the weapon that they use Ooh, it's like a shovel axe combo it's called hold on it's called a vulcan lerpa Oh my. You can use it while you drink your tranya, the lerpa. The lerpa. That's how I'll murder you, Clint, with a lerpa. As long as I'm drinking tranya. Tranya. So yeah, it's like a weird, thick, like what, three and a half foot long um, handle with a crescent blade on one end and a Hershey's kiss on the other. 
Yeah, like a big counterweight on the other end. Yeah. yeah, that's not a bad description. Do you think it's balanced? It doesn't look balanced. It doesn't seem like a good weapon. Well, I'm look I'm looking at one available for sale at Christie's, the auction site. And oh, it's buy sold. it and test it out. It's it. This auction closed October sixth, two thousand six. So missed missed this one, but it sold for Just barely fifty seven hundred, and it's made out of rubber. So what? how is it selling for that much if it's just made out of rubber? That'd be very hard know. to kill. I I, I don't know. Um. Well, so the fight is to the death, and the fight ensues, and I don't know. I thought it was a pretty exciting fight. Like it was well choreographed. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I liked it. It was fun. Oh, I love the scene where Kirk was making the decision of whether or not to participate in the fight. And it's like all these weird camera angles, like everything's turned and like weird music. And then there's like an explosion in the hot rock pit. I love that part. That was great. Oh, I love that we get classic Kirk, which is his shirt gets ripped open. But it's like a nipple horizontal to nipple. line. Yep, nipple to nipple. Hey, do you guys see that under the rug? Go ahead and lift the rug up real quick. Okay, here I'm lifting up the rug. You'll see the seams in the floor, and there'll be um, there's like a doorknob there. Go ahead and lift that up. Okay. And there's <sighs> stairs. The lights aren't on down there, but you guys go ahead first, and I'll follow behind you. Okay. Click. This is how we die. <laughs> I turn the lights on and you see a room full of Star Trek collectibles and Uh-oh. toys. Star Trek toys. Oh no, Emily, we're going to have to fight fight to the death here. I always knew this, this would happen. Absolutely how we die. I'm I'm prepared for this moment. Welcome to our newest segment about all things Star Trek collectibles and toys. I like to call this segment Corey's Toy Closet. I was thinking of calling it playing in Corey's toy chest. I was just thinking of it as in the closet with Corey. <laughs> what about collect tribbles? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's right on the level of idiot. I love it. Oh my God. Yeah. Hold on. Let me make sure that no one has thought of that yet. Collect tribbles. Well, well, he's looking at, there's also a, um, online toy store called a muck time that i'm pretty sure is named after this but they sell like nerd toys and horror collectibles so fun fact we're good the only place it it does show up but it's like in those websites that are just lists of words you ever (laughs) see those yeah so there is a toy for almost every single star trek episode i think we will we will see there is definitely a toy for this episode and it's this scene right here of spock and kirk um the doll is a it's a plastic doll and there is the lerpa that that they can be equipped with kirk has a hole in his upper shirt and a perfect scar a perfectly vertical scar right above his nipples What I also love about this toy is that there was another toy that came out that was just Kirk. No Lerpa, no Spock, but there's still the hole in his upper shirt with the (laughs) scar across his chest right above his nipples. No explanation why that's the case. Like if a kid gets this, they just get whole shirt, nipple, scar, Kirk. Nothing on the packaging. It happens a lot, though. Like this isn't like this isn't the first time we've seen this exact episode of kirk it would have been funny in one of the movies 
where like he takes his shirt off and he has all these chest stars. scars. <laughs> I uh also nipple scar is the band name. I claim it. Okay, nipple you got scar. It. Hold on. Nipple to nipple. <laughs> That's the name of our first hit. <laughs> Wait, I I have also something for um collectibles. Just a quick little thing that I saw today. If you guys also look in our our chat room that we have together, do you guys see uh, Shatner with a rifle, a phaser rifle? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this phaser rifle is from the pilot where no man has gone before. And this is going on, uh, this is going uh, into auction soon. So you can buy this prop. I don't remember this prop. I don't remember this prop either, but let's buy it. He uses uh, this gun to shoot the rocks to kill his <gasps> friend. What? Oh the murder! Yeah. The first murder. Murder! Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's going on sale from um, Heritage Auction. And <clears throat> we just need um, $250,000 to... That's the opening bid. Jesus. We started a Kickstarter. You can find that at our um at our website, setpodcasttostun.org. Dot biz. Yeah, biz at geocities. Dot orgbizcom. Dot org. <laughs> well, that's very exciting, and I hope yeah. that some uh some listener donates it to me. I mean us. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, great initial outing for collect tribbles. Did you come up with that on the spot, Corey? Yeah, I did. Um, sorry guys, the uh the hatch that leads us down here did just close by itself, but I think we can continue recording down here. Alright, so the uh so this fight is going on. Oh, Corey. He's been eaten by the collectibles. This fight is going on. Um Clint, go ahead and give us that that musical steam that goes on during the fight. Meanwhile, is getting his ass kicked by Spock, and McCoy demands that the combat stops, and he has some steroids in his pouch, and he gives them to Spock, or to Kirk, because he's like, it's too hot here, and the air is too thin, he's at a disadvantage, so he's allowed to I'm a doctor, damn it, let me give him this shot. So he's allowed to give uh, Kirk the steroids, and the combat resumes. Go ahead, Clint. I'm a doctor, not a sports medicine personnel. <laughs> You're going to do the music again. Um, they get... <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. They get new weapons for round two, like in Mortal Kombat. You God, get... they're even worse. <laughs> they get whips. They're like belts with nuts on them. Oh, my God. Stash with nipples, belts with nuts. Well, to be fair, it's a fight to bone, so... What else would you expect? It's got to have all kinds of suggestive things. Well, and then Kirk dies. Yeah, and then Spock chokes Kirk to death and he dies. So now, <laughs> that's that's literally what happens. Um, so now Spock is in command of the Enterprise and he says he will beam up in a moment um, and then turn himself over to the authorities. Killian, Killian Kirk has cleared his head. It's It's killed his boner, if you will. Mm. Yes, because in Ponfar, you can either kill a challenger or you can nut him and he killed the challenger. (laughs) Just as satisfying. Way less messy. I would think that in the future, Kirk can be like, okay, 
eight years from now, I don't need to come all the way back to Vulcan. We just need to keep some criminal in the brig and then let, let Spock in there and just choke him out. And then he'll just come out and wipe his hands off and be like, I'm good. Uh, I needed that. Yep. Because apparently you just have to kill somebody for this urge to go away, which makes sense because there's two. There's always going to be a challenger and there's always going to be someone that wins the bride and then someone that doesn't. So that person has to have the urge get turned off. And then later Spock was talking to his wife or former wife or whatever. They divorced, but he was like, why did you do this? And she said, well, you have a bad reputation and I want to bone this guy over here. So I picked to bone me. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what I predicted. And Corey could not understand me saying, I guess this. Well, I didn't understand that either. So so anyway, leave it up to the listeners. (laughs) Um, And then she was like, I didn't like her plan because she she said, well, if Kirk won, he wouldn't have wanted me and you'd be dead. And so I'd be free to do whatever. If you won, you would divorce me because for doing the challenge or if you didn't divorce me, everything would be the same. So I had, you know, nothing to lose. This was her game of bones. (laughs) <laughs> you've been waiting all episode to say that <laughs> no that was on the spot too i'm on fire tonight if i was kirk though and i i had to kill my best friend for this dumb thing i would marry her just out of spite I'd be like well plan well back now fire. you're stuck with me bitch yeah. <laughs> go make me some plumic soup <laughs> <sighs> So if you ever forget what Pon Far is, just remember it's fuck, marry, kill in real life. It is. And also Clint seems oddly okay with this as a way of making your choice for your partner for the rest of your life. So keep that in mind if you're thinking that he might be an okay person to date. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Got nothing else to say to that. Just love murdering people. I came here to fuck Murder and chew bubblegum, and I... I'm all out of fucking and murder. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Spock is at the end of this episode. So yeah, he beams up to the ship, and he's like, I'm ready to be arrested now, after he gets dumped. And McCoy, it's it's like a, it's a very 1960s trope. Like, McCoy keeps trying to interrupt him, like, yeah, but Spock, hold on. And he's like, no, doctor, take me away, put me in the pokey. And then McCoy's like, yeah, but wait, hold on, Spock. And then suddenly Kirk pops up behind Spock because you see McCoy had given Kirk a tranquilizer, not a steroid. Oh, that tricky bones. I this is I think the third time now we've had this fake out where like someone was blind and then in the last 30 seconds they weren't blind anymore. And (laughs) the same exact fake out happens here. Um, and I want this to happen yep. in every single goddamn episode. Well, and then Starfleet calls and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're not in trouble for <laughs> for defying orders. T'Pol just fixed everything. Yeah, there's a there's a quote that Spock says at the end where he says, the madness I wanted when I wanted a mate went away when I killed Kirk. And I wrote in my notes. <laughs> Lots to unpack there. (laughs) (laughs) How can I be with the one I love if I've killed Kirk? He's the one I love. Uh... (laughs) I just want to say how much I like the character of T'Pol. 
And in very little time, I felt like we've gotten a lot of characterization from her where she's like, she's a bad bitch and she's in charge and she doesn't take no shit from no one. And I liked too that she got them out of trouble. I think she'd be a great character if they rebooted this or anything like that, because she wouldn't be like on their side. She'd be like a wily kind of like antagonist sometimes or like help them out. Does that like she seems like very clever and she do a lot of like fun kind of like throws wrenches into into gears to kind of like get what she wants and kind of position people. So it would be really cool to like see more of her and kind of like be a, a like a, a sort of antagonist, but also kind of help out sometimes. She's like true chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like uh, from my limited watching of DS9, she's kind of like the head of the church that lady yeah i would say that's like that's a good that's a good point i just didn't like her weird affect like she had like a she would say the and yeah that was awkward that was weird and then she would like weirdly i don't know put on this weird affectation where she like wouldn't finish words or whatever that was weird but she's a really cool character i will say the description on hulu or netflix wherever i watched it was like Spock has to return for his seasonal mating or whatever. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be so like cheesy and campy and fun. And it is not as much as you think it is. I was really hoping that this would be where they like lean in and get really goofy, but it was more action-y than I was expecting. Yeah, it's a pretty serious episode. Yeah, it was still fun though, but you're right. It is a little maybe over-stylized. Yeah, yeah. But overall, this was a fantastic episode. Super strong start to season two. I'm going to give it a thumbs way up. I'm going to give it a thumb as up as Spock's rock hard, presumably penis. I'm going to give it a thumbs down because that goddamn bell goes off for half the episode. Folks, half the episode is spent with them up on the Mesa and that bell just will not stop. It goes on and on and on like a wind chime in a tornado. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then um, just to, to cap things off, we will go into another new segment, kind of. I don't think it's a new segment. But um, what we like to do is, is go into the writer's room. And talk about how we would have changed it or updated it to air in 2020. For me, what I would have done is I would have done a Hangover-esque buddy movie sort of thing. where um, Spock gets mysteriously married and they have to figure out who he's married to. No, they're going to Vulcan to get Spock laid. It's just like Spock's just like, oh, I'm so horny. I I need to go back and go to Vulcan and then Kirk puts on sunglasses like I'm gonna get my best friend laid that's what I'm talking about I wanted it to be like a really cheesy silly like over the top campy one where Spock's like trying to chat up some Vulcan babe in a bar and like leans against a wall and then like falls (laughs) there's a great Futurama episode that parodies this one where Zoidberg has to go back to his home planet to get laid and i think what ends up happening is like you said like he couldn't get laid so he doesn't like they all have sex and then they die and the next generation takes takes over so he doesn't have sex and then he doesn't die so anyway <laughs> oh it didn't click with me that that episode is this episode that episode of futurama 
they do the yeah yeah if you watch it again you'll you'll notice all the all the similarities they do the death fight thing too and they have i think they play this music as well so so yeah hey there's uh there's one thing that i wanted to talk about before we end yeah um i wanted to talk about this for a little while but just because now okay i'll admit it my beard is fake okay Corey. it's spirit gum that i put on this (laughs) It's not a real beard. Wait, is it that this is the first time we get the Vulcan hand thingy? No, no that is that is true though. Yeah, we, we didn't mention that Vulcan salute. <laughs> yeah. Also, the phrase "live long and prosper" is also appears on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those those are small potatoes. Time. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, God. I'm just kidding. That's a big deal. I totally forgot to talk about that. <laughs> I forgot about that too. Okay. No, what I want to talk about is because this is the first episode with Walter Koenig in it, who's going Uh to be with us, I'm assuming, for the rest of the show. I have been waiting to talk about there. Okay. So there are so many spinoff series of Star Trek. Uh The ones that we all know and love, Voyager, DS9, Enterprise, TOS, those exist. But there's also a lot of smaller projects that exist, even ones with big name stars. And I want to tell you about two of them. Are you guys ready? Sure. Uh, there is a mini series called Star Trek Renegades, and it stars Captain Chekhov. Nice. And Manu Interemi. And it's directed by Tim Russ, who plays Suvak in Voyager. Huh. Manu, Manu. Manu, Manu. I wanna I wanna read. I, guys, I want to watch this so bad, and I want us to talk about it, and I just want to give you guys a little teaser of what it's about, okay? This is just a short little thing. When a seemingly unstoppable new enemy threatens the very existence of Earth, Admiral Pavel Chekhov, Walter Koenig, is forced to work outside the boundaries of Starfleet's rules. <gasps> Outnumbered and outgunned, the ragtag crew is in an adrenaline-pumping race against time and space, but they soon find out their foes are the least of their concerns. The real trouble may be coming from within. Whoa. No. I've never yeah. heard a description make something sound more exciting. Yeah. So we have to watch that. That sounds wonderful. I think it's, I don't know if it's a movie or like a short three episodes, but we got to put that on the list. Yeah. We got to check that out. I just wanted to talk about Chekhov. I mean, he was fun. He didn't do much in this episode, but I did like him. I was just disappointed in um, act three. He didn't shoot a gun or anything. He didn't shoot his phasers. And I just think it was a missed opportunity. Is that what he yeah. always does? No, it's a it's a play on the concept of Chekhov's gun. I didn't get it either, Emily. Guess <laughs> just it's you your know, turn, you... Clint. How does oh. it feel? <laughs> you, you guys have never heard of a Chekhov's gun? No. Well, tell us what it is, Clint. Please. <laughs> it's a it's a storytelling principle that says if you introduce an element in a narrative. It has to like mean something or, or develop into something. So it's called Chekhov's gun because it says if I think Chekhov is the guy who posited this. But if you introduce a gun in the first act of a play or narrative, it has to go off in act three. Oh, does he does he introduce a gun in the first act or were you just making a stupid joke? I was just making a dumb joke because his name is Chekhov's. Oh, the thing is called Chekhov's gun. So I was saying he should have shot a gun. He should have shot his face. No, no, it's okay, Clint. Hey, Emily, how about a nice little golf clap? Ready? Philistines! (laughs) Okay, well, hey, you might be able to see Chekhov shoot a gun in Star Trek of Gods and Men, starring Walter Koenig, Nichelle Nichols, 
Tim Russ and Grace Lee Whitney. Ooh. Our favorite. Captain Niyota Uhura and Captain Pavel Chekhov, along with Captain John Harriman, whoever the fuck that is, come together. Oh, that's that's who Tim Russ plays. Come together for a special dedication in honor of Kirk's Enterprise. Their reunion is cut short when they receive a distress call from a mysterious planet that presses the three friends to embark on a mission that will change their lives forever. Sold. Let's watch Don't that miss next. Of Gods and Men. How much murder is in that, do you think? I don't know, but we will count them. <laughs> All right. So coming soon. Those things. Until then, keep on trekking. Ah! Kapla! You're not the host anymore, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> no!